Thursday, October 12th. We're getting underway an hour earlier than we normally do because we have a very special guest that we can connect with right here and right now. And I'm very excited to welcome in and bring in my old sports pal from around the way, Tim Kawakami. We've, we've been bumping into each other in press boxes for like 18 years now. And Tim, thank you so much for coming on this little project that is Damon Bruce on the internet. I really appreciate it. Damon Bruce unleashed independently. Uh, I'm all good with that. I, I love when people do their own stuff. I watch it. I listen. I hear. Uh, and really glad to be on with Damon. I'm just glad I don't think. Thank you, brother. We keep going. We keep going. That's the way it is in, in media these days. They're going to try to shut you down. You keep on going. I want to talk about stuff. where it all Yeah, I, I want to talk about where it all started for you because I did use the most mullet gorgeous white shirt buttoned to the top buttoned i'm guessing we're talking a 23 or four year old right out of northwestern clocking in at the the lacrosse tribune tim kawakami <laughs> tell me about the lacrosse tribune tim what do you remember about that newsroom very similar to Lacrosse Tribune. I think you're just nailing it. It was, I'm pretty sure that was taken early in my days at a little tiny paper we call the Los Angeles Times. Uh, and I think I was doing some, I don't know, my first column-y, column-esque kind of thing or in my 20s. That even, or that might be my, that actually might be the picture for the De La Hoya book. I, who knows? It's, it's all a blur to me at this point, but, uh, or it's at least it's the picture we use for the De La Hoya book. And as I when people see that picture but it wasn't just my well it, my all my hair was long back then i just would like had nice gel so it didn't look like that up top i had very long hair i have had i've had long hair pretty recently too but just for that one they decided to be resplendent with it at the la times with an official la times picture and that thing's followed me around and that's okay there's worse pictures of me out there damon i i don't really uh there's some that i wish would be scrubbed forever and maybe it'll still pop up but that one i'm okay with just just had really long hair damon that happens what was your first job in journalism at a northwestern philadelphia daily news i got really lucky uh they were it was an internship they were looking for someone to i didn't know at the time it was to to back up the philadelphia eagles which is pretty freaking good beat i didn't know they brought me in there as an intern. Uh, I had done some things at Northwestern. Uh, that's one thing that was fun about Northwestern is terrible athletic teams at that point. But man, we were Bobby Knight, who, who you may have heard of, and other guys. And like they came through Northwestern, so I had a chance to write about a lot of big personalities. Uh, and so the Daily News was interested in that. They want to take a look at me. I did not know uh, the famous story. It did happen like three weeks into the internship. I did not know at the time they're at, they're looking at me to replace the, the Eagles beat writer. Rich Hoffman was being promoted to a column, but they couldn't do it until they had a replacement for him on the Eagles. This is Reggie White, Jerome Brown, but you're on this pretty heady days. Yeah. And they bring me in there and go, it's really hard bitten sports. That is like, Hey, what sports do you, would you most want to cover? If you, you know, you had your choice of any sports knowing they're them knowing that the Eagles was on the table, me not knowing that. And I said, well, listen, I probably want to cover baseball first. Then I love college basketball. Then I love pro basketball. And I'm seeing the looks on their faces that give me. I go, uh, is there something I'm saying wrong here? He goes, no, we're about to offer you the Eagles. That's in the NFL. I go, let me change that to say NFL first. And if there's any team I want to cover, it was the Eagles. It was hilarious. I'm 22 years old, maybe, um, about to cover the Eagles for this, you know, really, really good, you know, 
tabloid journalism, but good, strong writing history uh, with really good writers there that I learned a ton from and demanding editor. It was great. It was a fantastic way to start my career. It's like all of a sudden you're in the middle of it. You're getting yelled at. If someone else has a story, you're in play immediately. People, I was there for two and a half years, I think, and people in Philly still remember me, which I kind of I like that. Um, it was a really interesting time. Randall Cunningham, Mike, I mean, all those people were so huge. And I was in the middle of it. I was, I was the same age as a lot of those guys. I was younger than a lot of the players. So it was a pretty fun time out there, Damon. And it, it kind of made a lot of what I believe in and made a lot of what I like still do. It's like work your ass off, talk to the important people, and just be in play constantly. And, and I've hopefully done that the rest of my career. As someone who came to the West Coast from the East Coast as well at one point. Grew up in the Bay Area. Grew up in, grew up in the Bay Area. I, I, I know. But, I grew but, up in the Bay Area. So. But to go out there – you then feel a level of intensity and passion that just, it, it almost doesn't exist anywhere else. It really doesn't. There is a difference between the two coasts for sure. And then, you know, it's funny, Tim, I, I always thought that like I would stand out sometimes negatively in people's mind because I'd be asked very direct questions. I know you have worn this scarlet letter throughout your career. You're not there to make friends. You're there to get answers. And it feels like that's a different way to approach the job than a lot of people would, would like it approached sometimes on the West coast. It's, it's why you're everyone's yeah, a-hole. You know, whatever on that one, I've, you know, I don't care. Uh, but I think, what you're trying to get is the what's happening here, what's really happening here, and what are really the consequences of it. And that can be fine to some people, and that can be really alarming to others. And I never minded the difference. Uh, just like you talk, like go from Philly, which it was freaking lather, everything was bam, bam, bam in your face. I'm asking the owner questions. He's yelling at me on the side like that did happen with, 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 the, with the Eagles. And then I go to L.A., you know, with the Rams and with John Robinson and everything was calm and everybody loves each other. And I was a whole different thing. Now they started losing immediately once I got there. So that was uh, an interesting dynamic. But um, the L.A. Times was not built like that you know, in, in large part. There were great writers there, but it wasn't quite have the East Coast mentality. Uh, I'm not saying I was totally East Coast, but I had that in me. Like, this, what is going on? Like, this is not going to be you're palling around with everybody. Like, what is going on? And if there's something seriously amiss, I'm going to write about it. Uh, and that just became like, this is what I'm going to do. And then it went to UCLA basketball. It was the same. Jim Herrick wins a national title, but gets fired, you know, less than two years later. What really happened there? All these stories seem to kind of come my way. You immerse yourself in them. Certainly happened once I got up to the Bay Area. And I'll say it. I've said it before. There was a, there's a hole in Bay Area sports journalism about, you know, I really thought it felt it covering the Warriors because I covered coming off of covering the Lakers. They were really good. But, man, they were covering heat. There's heat on the Lakers. There's there's no question. If they lose, you need to know why. If they win, how are they going to keep doing it? The Shaq, Kobe, the feuds, all Phil Jackson, this, this stuff was brewing and you had to be totally in it and you had to talk to other teams, other agents. I came up here and the Warriors were a little pet, right? They were, oh, the cute little Warriors, aren't they going to fun? They might make the class one of these years, but not this year. Thunder. And I was like, this is the wrong way to cover them. I, they're not being covered seriously. I don't care about the access with Chris Cohan or Robert Rowell or whatever. I'm going to cover them like a real team. I had experience covering the Lakers. One of the few people that's ever covered the Warriors to that point had ever covered another team in the NBA. 
So they, uh, they weren't the cute little cuddly little warriors that were failing constantly. And I think that I really grabbed into that with whatever you want to call it in a way that no one had covered the Warriors. Buker had a lot of that during the Don Nelson era, but that was years before. Uh, and I think it got myself some credibility, not just with fans who are like, this is terrible. Well, someone's got to be writing about this, but within even, well, I'd have to say Joe Lega read my blog before he bought the team. Doesn't mean he agreed with everything. He still he yells at me all the time still. But with people who were viewing this impartially, what's wrong with this team? You had to say what was wrong with this team to be able to, when they were getting it right, Lake of Steve Kirk, Steph Curry, the whole thing. If you didn't say it was wrong before it was terrible, when it was terrible, you didn't have a lot of credibility to say it was right when, right. when things were good. Right. So how, I think how that can you really was a solution that I felt here. Right. How can you recognize yeah, I mean, greatness you're not even, when you're unaware of how bad it was for so many years? It, it's true. Tim, I, I really do. I mean this. I, you know, yeah, if there's one thing I learned about working with Ray Ratto is that journalists don't like compliments. I think you're the best at what you do. I think you are the king of covering Bay Area sports. I think you have established that. You've earned that. Um, uh, I, I think that the plus minus podcast that you do with Anthony Slater and Marcus Thompson is one of the best sports podcasts ever created. You guys are so thorough and we'll get into all of that in a minute, but uh, I really mean it. I'm glad that you're here today. I've always admired your work from afar, from close to you. I've seen the way you go about, you know, your, just the way you handle yourself. And it's the way a journalist should conduct business at this level. The only regret I have of your career is that I wasn't in the room for the that's not true Kawakami Raider press conference. I missed that one. I don't know where I was. I wish I were there for that one. All time. The Raider <laughs> stuff again. I mean, Raider fans, many of them still hate me for that. Like, what did you want me to write about them back then? You know, Al was not well and people were leaving that franchise and they were terrible and he was hiring us procession of bad coaches and it's like did you want me to be complimenting the situation right now it's like i don't under like i'm trying to write things that actually would help them maybe get better to change <laughs> right. and there was this anger there that still is with raider fans so yeah if that's what they want me you know that i am hated for whatever i've man i've long ago said that's just fine hate me for calling something terrible that is actually terrible and there's no way it, it will cease being terrible unless they change I got no problem with that. I've always felt, you know, I don't know how much radio hosts or former radio hosts and, and sports writers actually have in common, but my entire approach was hate me all you want as long as you're listening. And I'm sure you've always been wired to hate me all you want as long as you read it. And and that's what we do. That is the job. You and I have both been covering the, the 49ers for a very, very long time. Tim, I think this is the strongest 5-0 and that I've seen them create. Maybe you've got another one in your mind, but I don't think I've seen a 49er season leave the launching pad as successful, as dominant, and most importantly, as healthy as this one has. Yeah, I, I mean, I, it's all comparable. Uh, 19 was a very strong start. Uh, you know, the first really good Shanahan year. But you know, you could you look back on it now, it was Jimmy Garoppolo, right? I mean, we, it's all rev, rev, revisionist. At the time, they were the best team in the league had stomped the Rams, had done something, and the Rams were pretty good and and looked very good on the road, as this team already has. The, the quarterback is a difference, I think. I mean, I don't want to overstate Brock Purdy. Maybe I've been accused of that 
just think he's a really good quarterback. I think he's better than Jimmy Garoppolo. I think he's better than anybody they've had uh, dating back to Steve Steve Young in that Super Bowl season. So, I mean, Matt Barrows is comparing that 94 49ers team to the last Super Bowl team. Now, that team had Dion. I mean, they, they had Hall of Famers, Bryant Young's rookie season, guy named Jerry Rice. Like, you know, there's certainly – I'm going to hesitate on that one. I think let's see, but – where I'm going to agree on is that quarterback is better than anybody they've had since Steve Young. There's, you know, there's comparables. Kaepernick in 2012 was, was very strong. 2011, whatever. I'm trying to remember now it all blurs and at 2012 and, you know, Garcia was a pro bowl quarterback. We haven't seen a full season of Brock Purdy. I do think he's better than any of them. He's the best since Steve Young. So that lifts them to a whole different place. He hasn't been in many shootouts. We'll see, but he was in one. That Raider game in Las Vegas. That was that was very shootout. That was one off game for the 49ers defense. Uh, but I do think you can be put that quarterback if he's at the level I believe he's at, which I think is going to be very high, with Christian McCaffrey, with, with Debo Samuel, with George Kittle, with Trent, with that defense, which I think Hargrave has been a huge addition for that defense. They're just so much more consistent up the middle now that creates so many other things for the other players. Fred Warner obviously have an incredible. I think it's compared to 19, but if you just want to say the quarterback lifts them above that, I'm going to agree with you. We'll see. I'm a, I'm trying not to go overboard on Purdy, although, good Lord, I've, you know, I've declared since the Seattle game last year, in, uh, on the road it was his third season third game you know with a rib injury and making the plays when I, I was i was convinced then i really was that's when shanahan was he said that was the game i knew he was a dude uh and then shanahan terminology that's pretty high compliment <laughs> uh i just think that does have them a lot not a lot higher higher than 19 which i thought again was a really good team could have won a super that team could have won a super bowl against Patrick Mahomes at his apex uh, with Tariq Hill, with all that. They had him beat. Jimmy some throws in the fourth quarter. I think Brock Purdy can make those throws. So, yeah, I think this team is better than 19. Still have a, still need to prove it week after week. Still need to get through it. Mostly uninjured. We'll see. Uh, but I'm just going to compare it to that's the one we've seen. I'm going to say I think they're more talented than 19. If all superheroes have origin stories, the Brock Purdy origin story is greater than all of them. I mean, he comes from a place that never delivers success, especially at the place of quarterback. Final pick of the draft to turn into, you know, a guy who could be in, in you know, an all pro, a pro bowler. If that's where this year goes, it's way too early to have any sort of MVP discussion, for goodness sakes. But it just seems to be so well set up and he seems to be so well suited to execute Kyle's vision. And let's be completely honest. Kyle's vision is the star of the 49ers. It always has been and always will be. He has a system. He wants it run. He's beautifully stubborn because he's had an awful lot of success with the system that he's installed. And he just wants someone to go out and do what he wants done, sees the same things that he sees in real time. And it feels like Brock checks those ultra important boxes, which are so much more important than arm strength or physical attribute 
for Kyle. I mean, the system quarterback, system system quarterback. I don't know. I was joking around the other day. I'm a system broadcaster, Tim. If I'm on the radio, I work that system. If I'm on the internet, I work that system. I'm guessing you're a system writer. Sometimes the system used to be a typewriter, then it was a word processor, then it was a laptop. And you know, you, you adapt to the system that you're in. Yeah, and you make the most of it. I, I just think to, to get, get to it, the way I'm thinking about it now is that he's expanding these Uh-oh, Tim, you're, you're breaking up just a little bit. That could go wrong in much more frequently than he did with Jimmy Garoppolo because he was afraid to screw them up. Tight ball, it's going to be that's the where the ball has to go. Uh-oh. Something where... Tim, we're glitching out just a teeny tiny yeah, bit. Is there any way... Some sound here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're glitching out just to, just a touch. You're freezing a little bit. Do you want to um, log out and then click back in? We'll try to reset the connection. Should we do that? Let's see if Tim decides to do that. Log out and come on back. What if I go ahead and just... Get Tim off to the side for a little bit here while we shoot that out. I just disappeared. He's logging out and coming back in. Uh, let me welcome everyone. Welcome to the Damon Bruce Show, starting earlier with a special Tim Kawakami interview. I thought, what do we just do like an interview with Tim and then create another thumbnail and get no, 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 we're just going to roll. We're just going to go right into the Damon Bruce show today. We're not going anywhere. It's going to be a live broadcast the whole way through. And, and Tim is back. Hopefully we got a little bit better of a, a connection right now. Uh Oh, I still haven't heard you, Tim. I can't hear you. There we go. I think we'll be able to be back on here. You got me? There it is. There it is. Tim Kawakami is back. Let's just jump. Look, we we have nothing but accolades for the 49ers right now. Uh, we'll, 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 we'll circle back to them should something go wrong. But, man, it doesn't look like Deshaun Watson is going to be playing come Sunday for the Browns. We know that Jefferson is out. And if you got a road trip, Cleveland and Minnesota – they're, those are the first two names you'd like to see out of the game. And it looks like that's the way the 49ers are going to get it. So the season is is breaking back towards them. They've broken very, very well. They, they, everything looks really good. I, I just want to finish up, though, with your relationship with Kyle Shanahan. You and Harbaugh, I think, became friendly with each other through butting heads. And that's how Jim communicates. Like, he wants to, he wants to poke. And if you poke back, he instantly respects that. Um, I brought this up with with Matt Mayoko. This is the longest tenured 49er coach you have covered here in year seven. You know, you normally don't get a year seven unless you've won a Lombardi trophy. Um, how has your relationship with Kyle Shanahan changed from year one to now? Is he very similar as to the guy you started covering or do you think he has evolved in a big or, or different way over the few years? He's pretty similar. Uh, that's one thing I think about Kyle. He, he compliments Purdy and all the other players compliment Purdy about being pretty consistent, you know, on Wednesday and Sunday, incomplete pass touchdown. Kyle's pretty consistent. He's really on it. Like he is rarely not on his game. 
you know, he can be lighter, he can be funnier, whatever, but he's rarely, you know, in, in a moment where he's like thinking daydreaming or, you know, or just in a bad mood or in a good, like it's Kyle. Uh, he was like that day one, you know, he was very sure of himself. He was very sure of where he and John Lynch wanted to go. And if you kind of understood that, I think he appreciated like questions that got where he was going. And, you know, listen, I've criticized him when they were three and five a couple of years ago, all these other things like this is not working, uh, but not, you know, throwing, you know, like he's got to be fired or anything like that. Just like this is an interesting time. I think he appreciated that too. Like he is a straight up guy. He can get pissy. He can, you know, that's for sure. He gets pissy with everybody in the building. That's what I get when I talk to people in Florida. It's like how he is with us in the hallways on a Monday morning is exactly how he is when he's up at the podium talking to you guys. Like it's the same thing. Do, are some people like know that he might fight at him if they ask a stupid question? Yes. In the hallway and in, a, in during a press conference. I like that kind of stuff. Like I, I got along, as you said, I got along with Harbaugh. Again, we had some interesting public moments, but we always respected each other. And, um, and you know, there's not too many people he's talking to now from the Bay Area. He does talk to me. Uh, kind of a football guy sense of it, I think, is like know what you're talking about before you ask a question. Now, there's some questions he's not going to love, but know when you ask about why didn't you have like the defense on fourth and two and they, they pulled the fake punt, like no, like that's what defenses normally are out there if they're expecting a fake punt. He respects that sort of stuff. I don't, you know, he's, I think he's been a little more relaxed this season. Five and oh certainly helps. Having a really good team helps, but I think he's, he's pretty satisfied that this, this is the team that he and John Lynch wanted to build. Got lucky with Brock Purdy, but hey, they're the teams that have them. You know, that's like you, you get the fortune you make and things might tighten up. They lose a couple games, like certainly things tighten up in, in, in any football situation. But I think he's basically been the same. Uh, and he's he he appreciates consistency, appreciates consistency, and he, can, he appreciates consistent media. I mean, whatever everyone says, I'm pretty consistent. Like, I'm going to ask the question that's on my mind. I'm going to try to think, think about why you did this and i want you to explain it to me some questions i ask I get anything i can use today or tomorrow but i, I want to know why this is happening I steve wilkes up in the booth on the defense as the last two defensive corners have been on the field like why are these not writing about it writing about it right away do i need this answer right away no i just kind of want to get a sense of who the team is and what kyle out of it and i think he appreciates that and and i've always asked those kind of questions Again, he's not loved some of those questions, but he has, like, if it's coming from somewhere that he understands, he's pretty good about it. And believe me, he knows every, everyone who asks every question, he remembers the question. He remembers why why he thought you asked the question. He's trying to think through it, uh, and then he's going to give his answer and his answer. I tend to like confident so, coaches, not overconfident coaches, but confident, like, right. believe in what you're doing. Don't be insecure. Don't be trying to fend off things, try to do things. I do think like some 49er fans even don't like Kyle because he's so confident. They didn't like Harbaugh because he's so confident. It's like, this is what you're supposed to want. Like a, a smart guy who believes in what he's doing and he's, he's going to go do it. He's not doing it for PR. He's not doing it the NFL Today show or ESPN. 
which is what I really appreciate about Shanahan is Harbaugh. That's similar. They're not appearing on these shows. You don't see these Jay Glazer sit downs with these guys. You used to see it with Mike Nolan like every other week. And oh, totally. they're just trying to win freaking football games. They don't do it all the time. But maybe, maybe the exception of that one. I don't think you should be trying to win, you know, Twitter and you should be trying to win, you know, ESPN. You should be trying to win football games. And I do respect that. Harbaugh and Shanahan are more similar than you would think. I know these guys. Harbaugh's crazy and he knows it. He says he's crazy. Shanahan's right. much more normal than that. But man, in the football world, in the football, in, in meeting rooms, they're hard edged offensive guys. And those guys are the most valuable coaches in football. Hard edged guys who believe in physical offensive football that. We see some offense coordinators who do not respect defenses, who don't know how to communicate the defenses. We've seen them with the 49ers. That is not Harbaugh, of course. And that's definitely not Kyle Shanahan. And those are two things I think I with, and I think they know I connect with. So I, I've had good relationships with both those guys. By the way, I, I got a great story for you uh, about Mike Nolan. When I was in the dawn of my KNBR career, I'm the new guy hosting Sports Phone. If you're asked into a meeting, a full station meeting, you just sit there and don't say a word, Damon. Uh, Mike Nolan came in to talk to every host at the station. I've never seen any head coach schedule such meeting before or since. And... It was actually, it was very nice. We Like we had a sandwich with Mike Nolan. We just talked a, a little bit and it was everybody. It was me, Radnich, Ralph, Tom, Tony Salvador, like all the KNBR old stalwarts, Lee Hammers sitting there, everybody, right? So Fitz and Brooks, it's the whole station, Murph and Mac, everybody came in for this special, special Mike Nolan meeting. At the end of it, he's like, okay, any questions? Ralph immediately goes, what the fuck are you doing here, Mike? What are you doing? You should be coaching a football team, not sitting here glad-handing with us. Why are you here today? What are you doing? And I don't know if that was a more representative moment of the Mike Nolan era or the Ralph Barbieri era. That was incredible. I'd never sat through a meeting like that. <laughs> Good what did time. Nolan say? Good time. What, what was Nolan's answer to that? Oh, Nolan was like, well, it was, I'm, I'm sure happy that you appreciate it. I mean, Ralph had enough of a smile on it where it, it played well enough in the room, but I knew for a fact that Ralph really meant it. Like, wh why are you wasting your precious time here with us? Don't you have other things you should be doing? <laughs> and it was just. Can you imagine Kyle? Can you imagine Kyle doing that? I cannot. I can't imagine Kyle even no, getting in a car. No, I can't even imagine splitting a. Month. I mean, it's not. It's not happening. And no. Yeah, and again, I, I like coaches who are like they, they. You want them to do media? I absolutely want to talk to Kyle as much as I can. I want to can, but they're not glad handing. They're not trying to campaign for stuff. You know how you campaign for stuff? You win football games. You you, you win. handle things in the right right way you deal with your players you have your players respect you who columnists and sports talk people you know respect you you just want to win game win freaking games and i i go back to purdy on this one like he wins games and i know qb wins is not a stat and the metrics people go crazy and you've got to do all this other stuff win games at some point you have to say this is 
this. This is the platter of Purdy right now. He just wins games. He makes plays that make a difference, whether it's in the first quarter or the fourth quarter. They all count the same. I know people say, oh, there's no fourth quarter comebacks. You know, those touchdowns in the first quarter, actually, because you want to get that lead. Um, it's like this is what the, the, the it's all about. It's, and, and I do think there's been an overemphasis. I love metrics. Believe it. I want to look at them. But there's been, oh, look at this route over there and this scheme combination. Oh, my. And he stepped through. Like, how about just making win games? Like, that? that is the point of this. And, you know, Brock Perry wins football games, has won football games from the moment he arrived. Uh, I, I'm going to judge him largely a lot. Not just QB wins, not just QB wins. Stat people are going to hate me forever for even saying those words. But it does matter. Look at it this way. If you want to attach QB losses to him, he has none of those either. So, you know, I mean, it's gone pretty, pretty well for Brock Purdy. I could talk 49ers with you all day, but obviously we got a basketball season coming quickly. I mean, a few meals, a few nights, a few, few sleeps, and it's going to be uh, NBA season once again. How excited are you for the Chris Paul era of the Golden State Warriors? I never thought we'd see this. No, I never thought it. it's interesting uh it's paul's sixth team it's pretty amazing hall of famer is gonna this is a sixth team but i think he's i'm interested in it because of what it's going to say about him in his final years however many he's going to play and what it says about where the warriors are you know in this whatever stage we're in you know the steph curry era uh they're really dang it like wh- where's Last few years, whatever we want to say about two timelines thing, you know, Joe Lake yells at me whenever I say it, but I'm pretty sure he said it first. I don't think I came up with a two timelines uh, nickname or plan, but they did. You know, there was there was a lean towards James Wiseman and Jonathan Minga in the future, and not loading yourself older players, and that has changed, no question. Uh, I think it's changed because Steph's been so good going into his late thirties. It's changed because Draymond's was 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 good to you know even very good last season in a contract year. It changed because Wiseman was such a bust he couldn't even pretend that that's he fit on the court. It changed because Jordan Poole just did not quite fit. A lot of you know you change one of those things and maybe they're not here and trying to add a thirty eight year old to be your new thing, but they're there. All those things happen. And Chris Paul to me is the perfect player for this season. Get him into a second unit. Get ball where he, you know, he, it's best for him. Work with Dario Sarvich and then maybe close games, standing next to Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Draymond Green, um, Andrew Wiggins. I, it all works, and every fan should want that. What's the best thing right now? What's how do you win immediately? And Warriors fans felt that, and many of them have demanded that. I understood trying to make the James Wiseman thing. It's the pick. Like it was a natural pick. You didn't. Know. It was a COVID yep. year. All excuses. They tried. Like I don't think Lamelo Ball would have worked with with Clay Thompson and Steph Curry. I just don't think it would have been. It would have been better in James Wiseman. I understood the Wiseman pick though in, in that context. This oh is, yeah, I, I can't criticize in real you know time. I was it. lobbying it. Yeah, I mean, no, I was, I was exactly. saying I, I, like, I, I thought this the pick is, was right in real time too. Yeah. Um, uh, you you already said Kaminga, and I just think you, we all know that the Warriors are 
their starting five. Like they'll go no further than their starting five takes them. But I also do think that Jonathan Kaminga taking that leap forward now here in year three is as crucial of a bench element as they've had in terms of what kind of successful team are you going to be this year? I think it's a, if Paul Kaminga, like you said, that second unit can give them anything like small ball, small ball might be back. Like the, the Warriors could be a lot more interesting than some of their loudest detractors say that they're about to be. It's huge. No question. He's, he's been big question mark for two years now, right? As a rookie, I was thinking maybe you should play him in the playoffs a little bit more, Steve. And uh, obviously he played early in last season's playoffs and they got pulled when they just didn't fit. He wasn't getting rebounds. They, they weren't guarding him at three point line. Don't know that he's going to be that three point shooter. We'll see. He made a couple in, in the first game, uh, but if yeah, if he's playable, just playable. And I, and this is the way I've thrown it out there. Like there's a whole bunch of minutes that Anthony Lamb got last regular season, right? There's tons of them. Kaminga just needs those minutes, and he's going to be Lamb if he earns. If he is playing well, he is no no, no question going to be better than Anthony Lamb. That immediately makes Warriors what two or three wins better. I, I would say if He's good, and they can rely on him, and maybe even our Kaminga starts. Uh, not likely with Chris Paul there, but I'm going to like minutes if he's that good. He's If he's a finisher inside, which they really haven't had. Uh, if he can go, you know, perimeter players, even some, you know, big forwards. It's an extra dimension that they probably needed last season. Probably wasn't for the full boat. But they get 26, 28 minutes a game out of Jonathan Minga, and it'd be productive and not be a negative. I and mean, it was a negative for much of last year. Certainly was a negative in the playoffs. It's a different kind of team. It's a deeper team. It's a more physical team. It's a more athletic team. And I think and Chris Paul gets a little, you know, he's a little ornery, which again, I like. I kind of like ornery. But like, yeah, your job to make sure Jonathan Minga is good. Like, no, that's not my job. My job is to play basketball. I don't want to, I'm not anybody's. Like, I, I just want to make sure the team's good. But I do think he could help John Kamin get more comfortable. It, it, just his presence on the floor, you know, is that I tend to be the Jordan Poole basher, and I don't want to keep doing that. But when you had Jordan Poole on the floor with John Kaminga, what's the incentive for John Kaminga to play disciplined basketball? Because the other the guy out of the ball is just, just throwing the ball up there, you know, sometimes good, sometimes poorly. But there wasn't kind of a restraint it wasn't kind of a calm with that second unit i think obviously with chris paul there's going to be a sensibility to that unit uh and you put gp2 in there uh moses moody i think pozemski well although president about playing rookies right away has won him over with his maturity you start looking at you know that's a much deeper team than last season uh, you know may, may be comparable to some of the championship seasons they, they, you know, they've lost some guys. We know that. But um, I think this is just Chris Paul makes things makes on the floor. He always has. He's aged. Probably can't play as many minutes. I don't think he's as great defensively on the ball. But that little mid-range and that, the defense having to guard it and playing the pick and roll and throwing the it. lobbers. And if, if the lob is covered, getting it to somebody, standing in the corner. These are all that make sense to me that didn't really make sense to the with the Warriors during the playoffs. And I'm going to do my Jordan Poole bashing. He was terrible in the playoffs. He was absolutely terrible. Just have 
moderate play out of Chris Paul, substituting in for Jordan Poole, just moderate play, just be a plus player, make a few buckets, get easy buckets for other people, fall down all the time, and be a presence on defense. That's a difference. Like That's a real difference. Now, can yeah. he get there? Can he stay healthy? These are questions I don't know, but it's not like they were getting all this great stuff from Jordan Poole. So uh, unsurprisingly, I'm bashing Jordan Poole on this call, but uh, I do think Chris Paul makes a lot of things make sense. At least he's somebody that they can trade at the end of the year because he's got a non-guaranteed contract. He's, he's in a lot of ways uh, that I am interested. I don't know, you know, excited, whatever. I'll just say I'm interested. I made it to that first pre- preseason game, and I didn't have to because the four hours playing the next day. But uh, <laughs> I think this is this is a team that feels like it makes sense much more than last season. Obviously, it starts with Draymond punching pool like that. That if they just don't do yeah. that again, we'll see. I don't think it's going to happen this season. If they just don't do that. I think the start of the season will feel a lot different, and it won't be that panic. People were saying, "Why, why are you riding with panic right now?" Damon, when they started off 0-8 in the road, they were panicking. It was them falling through a hole that they weren't sure that they could get out of. Steph played great, and but they just avoid that. And they, you know, they end up in January or whatever, 22 and 10 instead of where they were last season. It's going to be a different feel to it. And I think Chris Paul is going to help them uh, really feel steadier to start the season. Do you think there will be any movement in the next 10 days, however long we got until the season starts, uh, to get an extension done with Clay Thompson, or is that a story for another month? No, I think they want to get it done before the start of the season, which is October 24th. I don't know that they will. I think they did Wiggins and Poole a week from now last year, so – they like to keep these things really quiet. This is what, who they are, so we don't know. I would think there's going to be a clay extension before the season. I don't know. Again, they're keeping it really quiet. And I think there will be a Steve Kerr extension too. Um, I could be wrong. You could do the Kerr one a little bit later, I think. I think the clay the clay doesn't want negotiations during the season probably. Although if anybody could be cool enough to handle them, it's probably Clay. Uh, and did a really nice interview about that a couple of days ago. Uh, give a sense of where he's like, listen, I made it this long in the NBA. I'm going to get paid. I just want to play as well as possible. Um, I think both, they tend to get these things done. When they talk like this, it's like they were talking at the end of the season about Draymond's extension. It, it got into question. People were saying he could sign with Portland or somewhere. When the Warriors talk like they think it's going to happen. They pretty much know what's going to happen. They know the dollars it's going to take, and they know they're going to get there eventually. They may not be there now. I think the market price for Clay is a little different just because of the seasons he's had, and we know he's a different player. But you're right about where Draymond signed about 25 a year. If he signs for three and 75, it would not shock me. Uh, to time, I guess two and 50 maybe to time him with, with with Steph. And if Kerr signs, you know, for two, a two-year extension to get time him with Steph, would not surprise me. The numbers are there. The Warriors, if they were worried at all, I think we would have felt that. And I have not felt them being worried. And if it doesn't get done by the start of the season, though these things tend to not to drag in the season, I think for both guys, it could last a little while into the season. I don't think the Warriors are sweating that too much.
Well, I, I really mean it. There are some podcasts I listen to some of the time. The only podcast I listen to all of the time is the Warriors Plus Minus. I think you, Slater, and Marcus do a tremendous job over there. So keep up the great work. It's it's informative. It's funny. It works. It's critical. It is not overly critical. Like you guys hit a lot of the right notes in that podcast, and I enjoy it very much. What do you think of Joe Lacob's Appreciate W. Yeah, no, no, you you guys earned it, man. You really did. Uh, what, what do you think of Lacob's WNBA investment? And will the cause of the WNBA or the representative cause of the WNBA, some more equality for women in sports, be a a, a factor that allows them to break through in the market in a way that like Cal nor Stanford nor the Sharks or even the A's in the last decade or two ever really have. This is in decidedly Niners, Warriors, Giants town. What shot do you give the WNBA for capturing a little of the actual marketplace? They got to win. We'll see if they win, get star players, you know, and, and Lake has shown the tendency to be our players. I think this was always going to happen. They build that arena. He's got the history with women's basketball, but back to the ABL. Uh, once the Warriors were NBA was and the WNBA, since they are the same, you know, owned by the same people, uh, was always going to lean his way, and he got his way. And I think, you know, practicing in the headquarters in Oakland is a is a good nod to their, you know, with their roots in Oakland. We'll see. You know, um, it's not starting for a little while. Uh, you know what the atmosphere here, what the environment's going to be in a couple of years. Will the Warriors? Don't know. Where will the 49ers be? Uh, where will the Giants be? It's all, it's all within a marketplace that, that's changing all the time. But I do think that the WNBA understood if they're going to get go big in the Bay Area, it's going to be with the Warriors and it's going to be with Joe Lacob. And who is he going to hire as his team president? Who is he going to hire as his general manager, his head coach? And these are all unknown, don't know the team name. Uh, but I think there will be interest if the team wins. Like we've seen, the ratings are very good. Uh, been for the playoffs. We see the super teams in Las Vegas and, and New York. Maybe Las Vegas is a little more super. Uh, I look at that team. Like these are all players I've heard of in the WNBA. That's a pretty good team. Um, and I think the Warriors will be in there. And I think the Warriors will spend money on this team. I think Joe Lega will demand. Right? We know Joe Lega texting Mike Dunleavy every you know every other hour with ideas. He'll have ideas. You've got a passion for it. Can't be good. They're not going to be that have that much attention. If they're good, that's what I like about the Bay Area, by the way. If you're good, you'll get attention. You'll get tons of attention. If you're not good, you're just going to walk away. I, you know, I admit I've walked away from the ace. I, I'm not going to the Coliseum anymore. I might write about, you know, whether they move to Vegas and what John Fisher's doing, whatever. But the project itself, I'm not covering. I didn't cover the Raiders the last year. They're, they were yeah. in Oakland. I just like you were. Decided that the Bay Area is not important to you, uh, to, to give you any more attention that you decided to, to pass away. The Sharks, I used to do Sharks columns, Damon Bruce, back in the day. I am not doing Sharks columns now. Oh, happy Bay opening day, by the way. Happy ha puck yeah, drops tonight, go. right, for the Sharks, I think? <laughs> uh, Emergency podcast on that one. Uh, or probably not. Um, <laughs> and God bless them. God bless you. Sharks fan, I'm not doing it. Uh, in, in that That's order. Where it is. And, um, uh, 
Well, I tell you what, Tim, it sounds like your internet is starting to crack one more time here. And I, I asked you for about 20 minutes today. We're double that. Leave it to it. Leave it. Leave a host on his own recognizance or his own regards. And he just keeps going and going and going. Thank you so much for joining me today. It was great to catch up with you. You were uh, very nice to volunteer an appearance right at the dawn of all this, and you made good on that. Thank you so much, Tim. I really appreciate it. And have yourself a great day, great weekend, and I'll be, I'll be seeing you at Chase Center real soon. Not great. Damn. And listen, again, I say I, I really respect and admire people who do and have the confidence to do it, have the opinion to do it, have the brains to do it. So I respect everything you're doing, Damon. Glad to be Thank you, brother. Appreciate that. Tim Kawakami, everybody. There he is. That's the king of the Bay Area sports media right there. And uh, I certainly appreciate his time. I had a couple more questions about Kapler and Farhan, but his his internet was breaking up there a little bit at the end, and I didn't want to have to redial with him. We kept him longer than I even said he would. So I uh, really appreciate Tim, Cohen, Tim Kawakami coming on today. Say that two times fast. Um, and let me just tell you what we're doing here now. We're going to take the headphones off and we're staying right here. I thought like, should I do the Kawakami interview power down and ask everyone to come and click once again on something else at 11 o'clock to do the blues? Nah, we're just going to keep going, baby. So welcome. W welcome to the blues. It is good to have you here. Thank you so much. Uh, as, as many of you probably have already been discussing over on the chat, which I haven't had open even for a minute here, um, we are well past the sip of the day. So we just got to work ourselves around that. We're going to have to to get past that. But um, really, thanks very much for, uh, for Tim coming on, man. Um, this is a really interesting time in Bay Area sports. I mean, you've got a bona fide, like, greatest dynasty you've ever seen kind of in the Golden State Warriors trying to throw one last punch at the, at the NBA before it's officially no longer their time. And you've got a football team that is in every single day, in every action, in everything that's happening around it, very much making the statement that it is our time. The 49ers are feeling and looking extra, extra frisky these days. So, uh, you know, with a, a an odd baseball offseason officially on tap where the San Francisco Giants are going to be looking for a manager and we'll see if the A's are officially looking for Mayflower moving trucks. It, we'll, we'll all find out when that starts happening. But we got hockey coming back tonight. I'll watch a little Sharks hockey. Sure, it's a good thing to have on in the background. And I just can't wait for Warriors basketball to start back up again, man. That is just good stuff as far as I'm concerned. And I think as far as you're concerned, too. So really looking forward to all of it. Um, before we go any further, I feel like we need to say thank you very much to the sponsors that make the plus go round. And I'll tell you, my man, Ike is one of the first up to bat to make this thing go round and round. I just saw him offer free sandwiches to listeners yesterday. I think he gave someone in the chat room sandwiches for a year yesterday. He and his uh, people are going to give me the ability to craft a gift card 
for people who are coming on this show as guests, which is a really nice thing to do. Ike, you're supporting me in so many different ways. I really appreciate it, man. Uh, I know that you're, uh, you know, people get excited to talk to you in the chat. You're a big part of this, to say the least. And um, had we done the Tim Kawakami interview later, we would have approached Tim with a gift card, but we haven't figured out the way that we're giving them out yet. So Tim is the last official guest to not get a sandwich from Ike. Sorry, Tim, uh, coming up here uh, on on Damon Bruce Plus. Uh, I want you to find out how good my handicapper Stefan is. The man is on fire. The man is helping this family see itself through some financial troubles with a little sprinkle on top of every day that we get out of him. And I don't go overboard when I make bets. I got to be very, very careful these days with the cash. I should be betting $1,000 a game on every single game that Stefan tells me to bet on because the man just wins. He just wins. It's I've never seen anything like it. He has glommed on to the fact that like team run totals are his specialty in this postseason. Stefan's bets are usually in the barn, cashed as winners by the third or fourth inning lately. Way that these games are like it's six to nothing at the end of the second inning in every playoff game I, I'm looking at. And Stefan is usually on the side of the, yeah, uh, the the team run total was three and a half today. And uh, that was done before there were three outs in the ball game. Get yourself to bottomlinebets.com. You sign up for a free day of handicapping by using promo code Damon. The man's been extraordinarily hot. You're either going to take advantage of it or, or, or you're not. Get in there. Promo code Damon for a free day of handicapping. Daily, weekly, monthly subscriptions available. It's time you find out for yourself how good my friend Stefan is at bottomlinebets.com. By the way, the t-shirt that I am wearing today is another Jack's t-shirt. This is uh, the Oakland Oaks, which, of course, is the ABA team that Rick Barry played for. Um, uh, no longer there. No longer there. Like so many other teams in Oakland, no longer there. But um, great, great old logo, great T-shirt. Jack's T-shirts are the absolute best. Go to jacksf.com, J-A-C-K-S-S-F.com. And when you are checking out, use promo code DamonBruce10 to get 10% off your Jack's T-shirt order. And you can get all your holiday shopping there done in, in one visit to the website. It's the coolest vintage t-shirts I've ever seen produced in any Bay Area t-shirt shop. They got a brick and mortar on Chestnut Street. Check out their website, Damon Bruce 10 for 10% off. Go ahead and uh, I, I dare you to only want to buy one t-shirt when you see the collection. It's, it's incredible. So there you go. Our sponsors are taken care of. And technically, we're nine minutes before the show even normally starts, which means this day is moving right along. We are ahead of schedule. That is beautiful. Uh, getting back to the actual matter at hand with the 49ers getting ready to play a football game. The football game, there are no easy football games, but sometimes games on the surface of them do get easier and it looks like that's the way this game is breaking for the 49ers. Now, look, it's not going to be easy for Trent Williams to block Miles Garrett. And that's going to be a hell of a matchup right there. You got the best left tackle in football going up against the highest pass rated uh, pass rusher passing, rushing the passer grade in the NFL in Miles Garrett. So that is a heavyweight matchup. Any game can be decided along the line of scrimmage. And if, if, if you don't get right there, it doesn't matter who's playing quarterback for anybody. 
but it doesn't look like Deshaun Watson's going to be playing quarterback. And it doesn't look like their rookie is going to be playing quarterback. It looks and news out of Cleveland is simply that uh, we have PJ Walker elevated. Is this, is this the way it's going to go? I'm still waiting for it officially, but all news out of Cleveland is that Kevin Stefanski isn't letting Deshaun talk to any media today. The shoulder problem remains a shoulder problem for him, and uh, and it looks like they're going to be elevating P.J. Walker to the number two QB this week off the practice squad. And there's a very good chance that PJ Walker will get the start in front of Dorian Thompson Robinson, the rookie from UCLA, because the rookie really struggled against the Ravens last week. And if you're struggling against the Ravens, how are you going to look against the 49ers? Again, Kevin Stefanski is doing the, is it worth it math? Is it worth it math? You know, we got 11 more, 12 more games to play after this 49ers game. Is it worth it to risk Deshaun Watson's recovering shoulder or buy him another week? It looks like that decision's been made. They're going to shelve him. And then, you know, are they punting on this this 49er game? No, they're not. They're going to try to win it. But good luck with P.J. Walker. And again, if you're the 49ers, think about it. You got a two-game road trip through Cleveland and Minnesota, and if you could, okay, so you hand, you hand Kyle Shanahan a roster. Here's your Browns roster. Here's your Vikings roster. You get to pick one player who doesn't play in each of these games. (coughs) I think Kyle Shanahan's picking Deshaun Watson, and then he's picking Justin Jefferson. And as it stands right now, the 49ers are going to see neither guy. Jefferson's on IR, and it doesn't seem like Watson's playing on Sunday. So, again, the 5-0 start in the vacuum of just the 49ers 5-0 start has been extraordinary. The overall picture of how the league is breaking around them and how their schedule is starting to unfold in front of them. Look, you don't assume anything in the NFL. You don't add two theoretical wins before the games are even played. 7 and 0 is definitely out there. 7 and 0 is out there for this 49ers team and they know it, they can taste it, they can see it. And these should be games that drift as much as you're allowed to drift into the lane of that got easy. These lane the, both these games against Minnesota and Cleveland could drift into the lanes of that was easier than we expected it to be. Now, Cleveland still has a stoic level, very good defense that obviously Deshaun Watson can't affect whether he plays or not, but that's also not true. It's it's avoiding bad situations and short fields and, um, you know, quarterbacks are important. Starting quarterbacks are important. I don't think I have to sell that to anyone around here. Saw some interesting stats unearthed by uh, Nick Wagner about just the complete overwhelming nature of this 49ers team so far. I've told you that Kyle Shanahan wants to be a front runner. He wants an early lead. His game plan is to get a lead and to bleed clock and to sit on it. And now you're not only playing the Niners, but you're playing 
the the clock that is dwindling to triple zeros. Like that's what Kyle wants. Kyle wants a big fat lead in the second half and he can just sit on it. Well, the 49ers are the only team in the league that hasn't trailed its opponent in the second half so far this season. Nick Wagner had that. As a matter of fact, the Niners have run a grand total of seven offensive plays while trailing this season. That's it. They've only run seven offensive plays from behind in a game. Every other team in the NFL has run at least 36 offensive plays while trailing on the scoreboard. Not the Niners, only seven, and none of those plays were run in the second half of a single game that they've been in. So the Niners are just not only doing it in a way that is ultra satisfying for you to watch because it's been a lot of fun. I mean, they're ringing up that scoreboard like it's a pinball machine. But they're also, while they're doing that, still exactly what Kyle wants. A bully that doesn't risk it, that controls a game, that suffocates the other team like a boa constrictor, the way that they just wrap around you and just squeeze and squeeze. That's that's what Kyle wants. And that's what this team is really doing. Mitch Wisnowski. 49ers punter is also just state-of-the-art right now. Nick had this one as well, Nick Wagner. Uh, Wisnowski leads the NFL in percentage of punts inside the 20, percentage of punts inside the five-yard line, and he's leading the NFL in opponent starting field position right around the 16-yard line. Like, that's pretty damn good. As a matter of fact, that means... The 49ers also have the best punter in the NFL, for goodness sakes. Remember when we were worried about special teams? They got the measurably best punter in the NFL, and the rookie kicker that you were all worried about missing kicks hasn't missed a kick yet. Things are just off to an extraordinary start. I mean, a really, really extraordinary start. And you can tell that this is the week that everybody decided they were going to lean into the Niners from a nationwide standpoint and really get to know this football team. And the bit of evidence that I have of that is yesterday was the single most viewed day in the history of this channel. Um, there have been weeks when, you know, all the videos that I put up, all the things that we've done here, you know, going back to the summer when it wasn't football yet and basketball was over and it was just baseball and it was August and no one gives a shit. Um, uh, there was like a day where I had 800 views, which for, again, for a guy who had the highest rated sports afternoon drive time show in Northern California. I can't even tell you how humbling that is. Like, oh, here I am in a new space. Let's see how the channel did today. How many people came to see what I'm talking about? It would be 800 people. And I just look at Jillian and I said, what am I kidding myself? What is? What are we doing? What am I doing? Am I out of my mind trying to do this over here? That's what my buddy Larry Kruger would give me a call and he'd just say, Damon, just keep patient, man. Just keep going. Just keep your head down. Don't, don't worry about this day-to-day stuff. Just keep on going. Keep producing great content. People are going to find you. Yesterday, the channel got viewed 24,000 times. A, the combination of videos that were up 24,000 views, which again, for some people is, I mean, 
That, that's nothing. That would be a terrible day for some people. For me, it's the best day. And all of a sudden, the audience is just starting to tick up like this. It's not called a hockey stick, but it's, it's a nice little slope going upwards. And I thank you all for being a part of it. And I truly, truly mean it. You are a huge part of this. Uh, we're going to get an extended Club Plus today. Why not? Why, why wouldn't we hang out for about an hour over in Club Plus? By the way, I need to get this chat up. I don't want to miss any uh, 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 super chats or anything like that. Uh, we're, we're at the part of the chat room where I was telling I, I was telling Tim Kawakami about the, the Ralph Mike Nolan story. Okay, so that's how far we are behind on the chat. What are you doing in here? Don't you have a football team to be coaching? Why are you wasting your precious time talking to us? <laughs> Again, he was joking and not joking all at the same time. So, God, uh, before we, we slip on into uh, Club Plus and hang out there for a little bit today, let me uh, let me update you on on something that I thought was very very interesting, and it's why Major League Baseball needs to go ahead and and rethink its playoff format. I, I like the wild cards. I was Mister Anti Wild Card. I see the benefit in the wild card now. Um, what we need, though, in the divisional round is a seven game series. And the wild card rounds got to go from a three game series to a five game series. I can't even imagine how bad some of these baseball postseason ratings are going to be. I already saw that the wild card round was down 18%. We talked about that yesterday in terms of viewership. The these games. The reason why my man Stefan is cashing winners in the third inning is because it's like six to nothing. It's six to nothing every time I look up in the third or fourth inning in all of these games. They've been lopsided early leads, and the other team is kind of out of the game before they even get into it. These are not games that people tune into and stick around to watch, unless you're a fan of that team, in which case that is that's gold and you're you're thrilled with it. You don't want to take your eyeballs off of it. But that doesn't bring in any casual fan. Nobody sees a game is seven nothing in the fourth inning and is like, "Oh man, I'm I'm gonna, I'm watching this to its conclusion." It just doesn't happen. So the ratings are just going to be down once again. And then you look at who is getting eliminated, like all the big teams in the big markets. Au revoir, Doyers. Au revoir. But, I mean, we, we, we could very well have a World Series between the Texas Rangers and the Arizona Diamondbacks. And if you, on any random night of the summer, offered America, you want to watch a Diamondbacks-Rangers game, 99% of America would be like, nah, we're good. Don't need that. Now, I'll watch it. I don't. There's no such thing as a bad World Series in my mind. But in the network's mind, oof. saw a uh, a tweet from Jeff Passan saying that this October it's been rough on regular season win totals like the 104 win Atlanta Braves are down 2 to 1 in the NLDS and they are on it's a must win for the Atlanta Braves tonight they lose and their season is over 
That's this afternoon, as a matter of fact. You had the 101-win Baltimore Orioles. They got swept. You had the 100-win Los Angeles Dodgers. They got swept. The 99-win Tampa Bay Rays. They got swept. 92 Milwaukee, uh, 92-win Milwaukee team. They got swept in the wild card. 90-win Houston, Texas. Well, Houston and Texas, both 90 wins. They're both in the ALCS. And Philadelphia is away from the NLCS. And at 84 wins, Arizona is in. 16 games behind the Dodgers. One round advancing past the Dodgers. Sweeping the Dodgers. Nice job, Diamondbacks. Seriously, nice job. Um, That's amazing, though. That's really amazing. When is baseball math going to start suggesting you don't want to win 100 games if you want to be a good playoff team? It's crazy, but that's where we are. I think I, I do think these, these early rounds need to see the number of games in these series expanded like an accordion. Again, a three-game series in the postseason ain't enough. That's got to be a five-game series in the wild card round, and then everything after that should be seven. Baseball really is perfect sometimes, though. And I do want to talk about Bruce Bochy here for a minute. Sarah Langs, Slangs, if you follow her on Twitter, uh, she had a really interesting observation saying that, you know, the, the Orioles won 101 games and weren't swept all season long. The Orioles didn't see Broomhilda once. They handed out some Broomhildas. But they did not date Broomhilda for a single day. They weren't swept once all season long. Then they get to October, and they get swept out of the playoffs without a single win to show for their American League East title. That's brutal. All those years waiting to get back, you win the American League East, and you get swept. Ouch. The only other team to ever have that happen to them was the 1998 Padres who, by the way, were managed by Bruce Bochy, who is in the dugout now of that Texas team that did that to the Baltimore Orioles. Time is a flat circle. That is mwah, that is fantastic. So Bruce Bochy had it happen to him, and then he just did it. There is a really good story written by Tim Kuhn on ESPN.com right now, and it's called The Radical Calm of Bruce Bochy. I love that title, The Radical Calm of Bruce Bochy. How great is that? How Seriously, how great is that? One of the coolest things Bruce Bochy ever said to me, I was, I mean, this is, this is, I think, before Bochy won his first championship. This is like 2008, nine. Yeah, I mean, this is before the first title. Uh, the Giants had done something totally inglorious on, on the field, and it was one of those bad, bad losses at home. And the media is assembled around Bruce Bochy in his office, and it was a really frustrating loss. And there's Boch just sitting there, taking it just in stride, no panic. He's not angry. And it was a night where a manager, if they were going to get angry at their team, might get angry at the team. And I remember asking Bruce Bochy, I'm like, Bruce, this is a really frustrating game tonight. Doesn't 
an evening like this just make you want to walk into the player's lounge and flip over the buffet table? And Boach, as he was, you know, would tend to do, he put his arms up like this over his head. And he just said, well, no, because we got to eat tomorrow night. That's everything you need to know about Bruce Bochy. Everything you need to know about the man, the radical calmness of Bruce Bochy. To me, I learned in that moment. I didn't even realize that I had learned something in that moment. It was only when I looked back at that moment in hindsight, you know, after three World Series that I began to truly appreciate it. Hey, Bruce, you're so angry at your team, you want to flip the buffet table over? Nah, we got to eat again tomorrow night. In other words, I'm not going to do anything performative. I'm not going to do anything symbolic because we got another game coming up tomorrow, and that's what this sport is. And you got to roll with the punches, good and bad, and you never get too high and you never get too low. The radical calm of Bruce Bochy. I just freaking love that. I need that. That needs to be on a t shirt. Somebody tell Jax, put that on the radical calm of Bruce Bochy. And then just three World Series championships. And then you can go ahead and even have another t-shirt that says the the stupid hand tattoo of Gabe Kapler. I, I it's amazing to me. And I don't I, I really don't know which fact is more emblematic of where the Giants are in the baseball universe right now. But which is more emblematic, the fact that Bruce Bochy's four wins away from another World Series appearance or that Gabe Kapler got fired with three games remaining in the regular season? Which sums up the amalgamation of the Gabe Kapler era more than that question? That Gabe couldn't even last the year before he had to go or that Bochy, who got forced out for this guy, is four wins away from a World Series appearance and eight wins away from another championship. That's just, it's amazing. It's freaking amazing. G. Martinez over here in the chat. Oh, should, we, should we officially start Club Plus? I mean, if we're officially going to start Club Plus here, we need to let everybody on the podcast know that it's been great having you here. Today's podcast started with a 40-minute Tim Kawakami interview that I really enjoyed. I thought he was fantastic and forthright and talked about his career and the teams. And I, I, I love that conversation. I hope you did too. Uh, G. Martinez says, thank you, Tim. Thank you. Ernie Chavez. Uh, or no, Yosarian. Thanks, TK. Indeed, Ernie Chavez says, Tim is a legend. Like Damon. No, I'm not a legend. No, 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 no. Nathaniel Richards, thank you, TK. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thanks for doing that. Oh, here you go. Thanks for doing this, Tim. I got an Ike's gift card for you. Connect us. Ike, I will. I will connect you. I got to connect you with someone else today, too. So I'll, I'll be sending out those emails today, brother. Thank you so much. Um, if you're listening on the podcast, I say thank you so much for doing that. It's growing. It's 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 grown even more than at the rate that got us to a hundred thousand downloads. 
the months of September and October have been very good to us over here, and we're not even halfway through the football season. So thank you for being a part of this. Thank you for growing this with us, with me. It means so much. And please do remember as you go about your lovely Thursday that sports don't build character. They reveal it. And like that, he is gone.